Hello and welcome to Out and About Imolovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Balfour. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects that they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Alan Laidlaw, the Chief Executive of the Highland Show. Well, thanks for having us, Alan. It's great to be here um, with you. Two weeks to go before your big show. Tell us, how did it all come together? You know, what's happened up to now to get to where you are? Uh, Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Um, We're excited. The show's just ahead. There's a real buzz around Ingolston. Um, People probably start thinking about the show in Edinburgh around now, but we've been thinking about it since last year. As soon as we close the door on the One Royal Highland show, we've already started planning on next. So two weeks out, still lots to look forward to, but still a lot to do. So it's it's a sort of... uh, high pressure but high excitement moment at the moment as we're anticipating welcoming so many people to Ingolston. Now for those of us that live in Edinburgh, live in Malovians, it's, it's an opportunity to come out, see animals, tractors, taste some free food from different companies. But it's far more than that, isn't it? It is. And the Royal Hound Show can be many different things to many people. So it can be a fun family day out, kids go free and we know that lots of people have it as just a great day out. So you know, one of the first responses people talk about is food and livestock and a great day out. But if you're in the agricultural community, it might be a chance to to meet up and exchange technical information or views. If you're in the livestock community, you might be entering a competition and, and want to win a prized Royal Highland Show Red Rosette. We often talk about the, the sights, the sounds, the smells and the tastes. So there should be something for everyone, whether you just want to have a, a, a burger and a beer or whether you want to have a fun day with the family or whether you're into serious livestock uh, and competitions. It's an entertaining day. It's a day that you'll turn a corner and see something you've never seen before. So I think you know, there'll be some people in the centre of Edinburgh who think it's just for farmers and there'll other be people that come from the centre of Edinburgh that know it's for anyone who's got an interest in, in food, a day out or having a nice experience with their family. So just give us a feel for, you know, kind of numbers, how many people are showing or, or, and, and what is an average day within the show? I know it starts on a Thursday, finishes on a Sunday. What is an average day for those four days? So, yeah, it starts on the Thursday um, and uh, all, all four days will have a very similar feel. Uh, Friday and Saturday are our peak days. We would fully expect Friday and Saturday to sell out again as they did last year. That's over 50,000 people on site. So it's one of Scotland's largest outdoor events as well as being one of the, the biggest agricultural events. We've got um, five, over 5,000 livestock entries. So that's cattle and sheep, horses, goats, um, all those sort of things. We've got lots of food and drink entries. We host the, the Scottish Dairy Championships. So there's championship ice cream, there's championship uh, cheeses and things like that. So there should be something for everyone. Um, in terms of visitor, any day you come, you'll have a great experience. Uh, a lot of people obviously come at the weekend. Um, Sunday is one of my favourite days because it can be a little bit quieter, which means there's, there's more chance to get to, to see all the things you want to see. One of the highlights is the Grand Parade of Livestock, you know, different colours, sizes of animals, cattle and horses and things in the main ring. You won't see that anywhere else. 
and the feedback we regularly get, especially from our urban visitors, you know, 60% of people who come to the show are not what they would class as farmers or from a rural area. They just love getting up close to the animals and seeing them. You know, it's a it's a real moment, whether it be the heavy horses coming in with their carriages into the main ring or whether it be a, a, a pedigree livestock sort of exhibition of bulls and cows. People can't see that. You can't walk down to the meadows in Edinburgh and see this type of thing. You know, it's at Ingolston, 22nd of June, and that's the chance to do it for four days for a year. And, you know, we've got a long heritage of being in Edinburgh, and the, the community in Edinburgh have got a, a long heritage of supporting us. Which takes us, I want to go all the way back. How did we end up here? You know, how did you end up on this site doing what you're doing now? Yeah, big question. So last year we, we celebrated the bicentenary, so the 200th anniversary from the first show, and it was held in Edinburgh. It was held at the bottom of the Royal Mile, basically on the site of Queensbury House, which is obviously Parliament, where you're very familiar with, and it was a celebration of farming and livestock. And it looks not dissimilar to that now. The show used to move around. There's eight regions around Scotland, so it used to be to Inverness, to Dundee, to Kelso, to Dumfries and Galloway, and it would move around. But then in the late 50s, people started to realise that building the sort of infrastructure that we have now was becoming more and more difficult, so they looked for a permanent base. And Ingolston was a former golf course, uh, and there was a a former private members club here, and it, it worked really well. So... Uh, in the late 50s and early 60s, Ingolston was bought and it's been developed into the Royal Highland Centre. Um, so that's how the show's been here since since early 60s. Um, we have, you know, hun- we've had over 180 shows now, over 200 years of experience, and the charity, the Royal Highland and Agricultural Society of Scotland, is, is nearly 240 years old. But for most people's living memory now, it's been on the edge of Edinburgh. And actually, the funny thing is, the edge of Edinburgh is getting closer and closer to us. <laughs> So obviously you've, the highlight of the year is that four-day period, but you've got a massive site, which, does it just lie empty for 51 weeks of the year, or what happens on the other weeks of the year? So as a, as a charity, it would be terrible management to sit on the site of this size for the rest of the year. So no, we, we have the Royal Highland Centre who hosts a multitude of events. That might be a dog show, it might be the supercar experience, or later on in the summer we've got Connect Festival and we've got some, some really great live music acts. We've got Lewis Capaldi and The Killers. You know, Lewis Capaldi's one of the hottest tickets in Europe at the moment, and he's got two sellout gigs here in late August, early September. So we try and make the site available for as many different types of events, whether that's conferences, whether it's outdoor events. We've got a really useful multi-purpose site here. Um, So many of your listeners will have memories of coming to Ingolston for different purposes. That might be a dance event or a live music gig or a food and drink event. So there's there's lots of different reasons to come to Ingolston throughout the rest of the year. So you're kind of the chief executive. Um, Tell us, how do you end up being the chief executive of this type of charity? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. So I'm a, I'm a frustrated farmer, Jeremy. I, uh, I lived on a farm in East Lothian when I grew up and I wanted to be a farmer, but I didn't have a farm. So I went and studied agriculture. I then went into property management. And then the job at uh, RAS came up as CEO, which was a combination of, of farming um, in terms of the agricultural element of the show, 
and then property because we have a, a diverse site here at Ingolston. So I sort of, I've been coming to the show since I was probably six or seven um, and I was hugely passionate and fond of the show. And when the chief exec job came in, I put myself forward. I don't think I ever thought I'd be a chief exec. I certainly didn't think I'd ever be a chief exec of a charity. And by becoming a chief exec of a charity, I didn't think that would be involved in the type of events that we're involved in now. So yeah, it's it's it feels like a long way from where I was wanting to be a farmer. But the one thing is the reason we have events at Ingolston is to um, provide income for the charity. It's a, the Royal Highland Show is a fundraising event and a knowledge transfer event. All of the concerts and different events that we have at, at uh, the Royal Highland Centre are to raise money. And that helps us extend our charitable work to, to promote food, farming and, and rural life. We give a lot of money to an organisation called the Royal Highland Education Trust that engages with schools and young people. Um, as I said earlier, the, the Royal Highland Show is free for, for kids. Um, you know, we, we really want to make it accessible so people can understand where their food comes from. So, yeah, I'm a frustrated farmer without a farm, but I'm very well connected with the farming community. And as you talk to farmers, we've obviously had, you know, a pretty traumatic four or five years. We've, we've had COVID, we've had Brexit, we've had lots of changes. Where is the rural community? I mean, I tried to look up because presumably it will be different in different parts. But as you talk to farmers, the rural community, are we positive, are we negative about where life is? As with all these things, there'll be a blend. I think um, one of the things that the rural, the farming production community feel frustrated about is they quite often get blamed for climate change. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, the farming community are producing food for the public. It's not the farmer's carbon footprint. If if I choose to eat more, that's my carbon footprint. Um, and I think the, the farming community have got a lot of answers to help deliver for climate change. You know, soil carbon, regenerative farming, rewetting peat bogs, planting trees, managing watercourses. These are all things that are front and centre in terms of public um, opportunities to make a difference. And the farming community have probably got a lot of their levers to help be part of the solution. So I think one or two you know, times they get really frustrated that they're being slightly demonised. So I think one of the things that the Royal Highland shows is a great chance for people who are interested in food or landscapes or water to learn more about it. I think on top of that, um, inflation, you know, food inflation is, a, is a, a product of inflation in agriculture. So I think they're really feeling the pinch between um, input prices, whether that be diesel to drive a tractor to make a crop or, or what it might be. So there's, there's some real challenges. Having said that, through COVID, I think people realise that food's important. They want to know where their food comes from. They can't just assume it will be in a supermarket. People probably realise they miss the great outdoors. So, you know, when we were released from lockdown, people flooded to Scotland's countryside and said, I'm really enjoying this, I love it, I value it. So things like Scottish Agritourism, uh, Go Rural is an organisation promoting people to, to visit the working countryside. And I think people are really up for that side of things and that's a diversification and an income opportunity and an opportunity for both farmers, consumers, members of the public to, to engage with each other. The gap between people who produce our food and people who consume, I think has never been bigger. And I think that's where the Royal Highland Show works really well as an opportunity to, to sort of bridge that gap. So if you're listening to podcasts, I would say if you've not been for a while, come. If you've never been, you know, get onto the royalhighlandshow.org website, book a ticket and come along because 
There's so many things going on in rural Scotland that are really interesting and do matter. So, yeah, that's that's probably where the farming community are at. They want to have those conversations. I mean, on TV, we're seeing a bit more kind of farming programmes. Uh, you know, we've got Clarkson's programme. Is that a good thing? Does that bring it into our city slickers, seeing things that actually happen? I, I think anything that helps bridge the gap between food and farming and the people who consume the food is good. Um, Jeremy's got his own inimitable style and you won't agree with everything he says. But he is showing a, a sort of warts and all aspect of how challenging it can be. Um, we've got This Farming Life in Scotland that does a really good job of doing that. We've got Landward, which is a dedicated programme for, for the countryside. So I think it's that opportunity to explore. People are probably more curious than they have been around food and farming. And they want to understand a little bit more about it. So if you deal with the farming community, many people have no idea why they're so bothered by the weather. That actually what Clarkson did was he showed that he had done all that work and his team had done all that work with Caleb, who's amazing, to produce a crop and then they just had to wait for it to stop raining. And as it kept raining, that crop was spoiling. And as it kept raining, that crop was going down in value and the costs to harvest it were going up. So you could see his net margin going down. There are very few businesses that are that reliant on weather. You know, I spoke to one of our uh, board trustees recently who had just finished lambing and the impact of bad weather, wet, frost, cold and wind has a huge impact on him. He is upset that, you know, lambs were really under pressure and died because of the weather. Very few people understand that. So I think anything that can bridge that gap, whether it can be a TV programme like This Farming Life or Clarkson or, um, you know, the Royal Highlands show or local shows. There's loads of local shows around uh, uh, the smaller versions of the Royal Highland Show. So anything that can give people that chance to to have a different type of conversation about rural Scotland, I think is a good thing. But um, yeah, I'm biased. I would say that the show here at Ingolston in June, 22nd of June, is, is the best place to get a chance to, to have that conversation and to explore. So um, it's not simple, but it's important to have those conversations. I mean, obviously, coming back to this site... Um you know, nineteen fifties. It was a you know, it was at the start of its development. As you look to the next five, ten years, what plans do you see for this site? Is is it a static, or do you see things changing and developing? It's it's never static. It, it probably feels a little bit like the fourth bridge painting sort of position. You know, as soon as we finish one thing, we go on to the next. We're building new toilet blocks because a lot of our toilet blocks were thirty years old and, and pretty tired. Um, we, we built a new pavilion, which is available for conferences and dinners and events, and that's at the heart of the Highland Show. That was a, a £5 million investment just before COVID. We need to make sure that the Royal Highland Centre is absolutely fit for purpose. So one of the reasons Connect Festival's here is they wanted it to be the most connected festival around, and they wanted to be able to live stream and make it really excellent. We've invested millions of pounds under the ground at Ingolston to make sure that there's fibre everywhere. So if you want to come and put up a stage, you've got the power, you've got the fibre there, you're good to go. It's sort of plug and play. And that's the unique piece about Ingolston. We've got an outdoor site that is ready to go for those type of events. Edinburgh's really well known for culture. Edinburgh's really well known for events. 
but actually we're, we have been pretty poorly served for live music. We all, in Edinburgh, I'm from East Lothian, we all know that we have to travel west to go and get live music. So that's why we're really excited about having Connect here. We're really excited having Lewis, uh, Capaldi and the Killers here in, the, in August and September. So I think we want to develop Royal Highland Centre as a destination for the east of Scotland, for Edinburgh. Um, we've got great transport links with trams, buses, uh, the A and the motorway network. So we're in a really strong position to develop that. And, and that's that's the exciting part of our journey away from the Royal Highland Show. And what help do you need to do that? Because obviously, you know, you, you stand here, but you talk about your relationship with, you know, Transport Scotland, with the council. With I mean, we don't have a natural, out of my field, there's no natural outdoor concert venue within Edinburgh within Malovians, and we all, as you say, have to trek through to Glasgow for that. Can you see this becoming a bigger place where we can actually attract some of the real big stars yeah, to come and play? I think so. I mean, Lewis Capaldi is one of the hottest tickets in town. He's coming here to sell out gigs. That is big for Edinburgh. Um, I think we've got great relationships with lots of statutory bodies, whether it be the council or things like that. I think people have to realise that doing things the same is not going to work. So there's lots of discussion about the pressure on central Edinburgh and the challenges around that. Ingolston, perception-wise, people say it's a long way from the centre of town, but actually it's a lot closer than trekking to Edinburgh, to Glasgow or to Hamden or SEC. So I think, you know, if you see something here, come and support it, because the more we sell gigs like Lewis out, the more we'll attract the next thing. Um, and actually, we've got such a diverse calendar. So look at the, the Royal Highland Centre website. There is, should be something for everyone there we've got terminal v um you know a very very internationally recognized dance music event twice a year we've got other live music events we've got hot dub time machine coming in august the festival time i mean that's one of the best fun nights out you'll ever get and these are the type of um uh, acts artists and events that are coming to ingleston um so support it after that, it's about us working with Edinburgh trams, the buses, with all the statutory agencies to make sure it's as safe and easy for people to get out here. And we work really hard. You know, after a, a live music event, Edinburgh buses will have their Centurion buses and they will be firing people back into Edinburgh really fast. So it's a great place to come. Last year, we had, um, uh, you know, uh, 50 cents uh, over here. What, a month after they did the, they did the Super Bowl with Fat Boy Slim um, over in our big top. And those were great events. They didn't sell out, but they were really well subscribed. This year, we've got the Royal Highland Hooley, which is a sort of Scottish music, Scottish and Irish music event during the Royal Highland show. I think that's going to be one of the best nights of fun out, real family-focused night. So for me... Um, We'll keep putting our efforts into getting the, the acts and the events here. We'll keep working with the council and the statutory bodies to make sure they run safely and smoothly. Um, and the rest is for your listeners uh, to turn up and talk about it and spread the word, probably. Coming on to my kind of final question, and it's one I always like to finish with a match. If I gave you a magic wand and you could wave your magic wand, what would make this place better, what would make your life easier? Maybe we can do it in two sections. What, what would here for the, for the show and for the grounds and one for the, the rural agricultural community, if there was one thing that, that would benefit them? Um, 
So for, for the Royal Highland Centre, I think um, there's some changes that the west of Edinburgh could look at. We've, we've much talked about the, whether or not the tram extension will come out this way now, the trams have hit New Haven, etc. Um, so having a real integration about transport links to make sure it's as easy as it possibly can be to get here would be a huge benefit for the Royal Highland Show, for the area and for other events. So I think that would be helpful and that would make a difference. For the farming community, it would be probably for people to take more time to understand what their impact can be. So I want to have my lifestyle as X. How do you buy local Scottish produce? How do you make sure it's as sustainable as it can be? And that is about a discussion. So inquire more about your food. Look at the Royal Highland Education Trust website uh, to see what um, food choices, how they make a difference. And for me, it would be go to royalhighlandshow.org, book a ticket for the Royal Highland Show and have that conversation with your, for yourself. Because it is, it's genuinely a great day, it's good fun. And you can learn more about how you can have an impact on rural Scotland. As I've said before to you, Jeremy, um, Edinburgh is a brilliant city. I love Edinburgh. I'm very proud of being from Edinburgh. But it can only thrive if we keep feeding it and nurturing it with good food, water, landscapes and the environment around us. So, you know, while people thrive in the cities, they need the countryside to be thriving as well. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to hear from Alan, to hear not only about what happens with the Royal Highland Show, but what happens throughout the year on the site. I hope in a couple of weeks' time, as many people as possible will go and visit. We'll put a link to their website in the show notes, and you can go to it if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in Malorians, and I look forward to catching up next time. <laughs>